Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic today. It's a special episode, a happy Martin Luther King Jr. episode here on January 16th, 2017. My name, of course, is Phil Prostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And like I said, this is a special episode. We passed the midway point of the season on Friday night with the Magic's win over the Portland Trailblazers. Let's, well, we'll talk a little bit about that and how the West Coast trip is going as I welcome in my guest for the next however long we go, probably hour or so, uh, Zach Oliver of Orlando Pinstripe Post. Zach, how are you doing today? Well, I... Okay, well, the Magic lost last night again. Yeah, but, but you know, we don't have to talk about that too much. No, and the wheels are falling off on the road trip. Are they, though? I yes, mean, they probably y- y- Yes, they. I mean, they've, they've lost seven of nine. You know, maybe maybe me going out of town here soon is going to be the good omen that they need. You know, so, and, so you know, I mean, what was it? David Steele was joking on the broadcast last night. The Magic are, are going on the road to play the Golden State Warriors at Amway Center on Sunday. So uh, there's definitely something to that that the Magic want to be out on the road, or someone needs to be out on the road for for this Magic team because they certainly aren't getting the job done at home. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about this West Coast road trip. We, we usually start off our shows with recaps of the weekend games. Uh, so let's talk about what's what's most present or uh, what's most recent, at least. I don't know if present's the right word. Um, Aaron Gordon can correct me later on that. But uh, th- this West Coast trip, we all kind of pegged it as this big, big road trip. What what have we learned about this team on the on the road trip? It, I mean, what, what's what's been the biggest takeaway now? With two games left on the six-game road trip, uh, as we as we head into the second half of the season, I, I think one of the probably the biggest one for me is that the team still really needs more wing depth. I mean, yeah, Jeff Jeff Green has been a glutton for punishment this season, but he has gone from being okay and and serviceable in stretches to he is playing very, very badly. And I, I think that that's really hurting the second unit, which just has, has nothing, absolutely nothing with Nikola Vucic being inserted back into the starting lineup um, and Alfred Payton too. I, I think that that uh, you've talked about this some on Twitter, you know, it just it kills any balance. Magic need to find a way to stagger some minutes with a starter and get them in the second unit, or they're just gonna keep falling apart. You know, in the first four to seven minutes of the second quarter, and the first probably three to six in the four, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and I mean, you look at you look at Saturday's game against Utah Jazz. It was a one fourteen one oh seven loss. 
Uh, the Magic had a 13-point lead after the first quarter. They, they scored 42 points on one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, I think people nationally, and, and I got this sense when I was talking to Magic fans, especially after the game last night, that Utah doesn't quite have the respect that maybe they really deserve uh, because they are a very, very good team. If you've, if you've watched them play, if you're just looking at the standings, if you're looking at statistics, there is every sign that this team is a legitimate threat in the, West, in the Western Conference, or if not for the title, mm-hmm. to certainly get out of the first round, certainly a shoe in to make the playoffs. I mean, I had to make that argument to people who just didn't understand what the Jazz have been kind of doing in quiet for the last few years, and they've survived a lot of injuries. But the, the start of the second quarter on Saturday – the Magic were up 13, and I think within a matter of two and a half minutes, the lead was down to three. It was a, a, like a 10-0 run or a 13-2 run. Oh, I, or it, it, was, it, was, it was fast. I think Utah tied the game within like 94 seconds, it seemed like. Yeah, it, it, it felt like that. It was, it was really, really quick. And, and Utah just, I mean, that's essentially how they won the game. They went on a 13-0 run in the last, what, three and a half minutes of the game to turn mm-hmm. a, a five-point deficit into a runaway win essentially uh and and so they had that this that that spurt ability and while the 13-0 run isn't on the bench players certainly the way the magic bench played on saturday night to start the second quarter uh an all second unit team i think that's that group was augustin watson with evan fournier with the heel injury uh, augustin watson hazonia green biombo they turned to green a lot. He couldn't produce. No one else really could create much more, much offense, and the Magic just got beaten up. And and I remember when Frank Vogel made the first lineup change, uh, bringing uh, Vucevic to the bench, or the lineup change where he brought Vucevic to the bench. Now I can't even get our starting lineup changes in order. Uh, when he brought Nikola Vucevic to the bench and Alfred Payton to the bench, he said it was to bring some balance to the starting lineup. And initially that worked, and now we're seeing him go back to the original starting lineup, which I think I've been calling for for a few weeks now. And it's you know it, it you can see why that mattered because now the team can build whatever lead it wants. I mean, it did that. Ha- the same thing happened against Portland on Friday. The Magic built a really nice lead in the first quarter, and in the second quarter they just kind of lost it. And so this team doesn't have the depth to go. You know, line changes ten deep. They they need to stagger those minutes. Yeah, and I, I think that having Evan Fournier probably helps some. I know Evans. Evan's still dealing with that heel injury. He just hasn't looked the same since he came back from that. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that leads us to another um, another big, you know, topic of discussion is, well, what does this team do with the trade deadline quickly approaching? I mean, do we see them do make a move sooner rather than later now with how this road trip is, has turned out and how you know i think blatantly clear it is now that this you know lineup just or this not even the lineup just the roster construction just does not work yeah there's there are, there are clear holes on this team that needs to be filled and, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the hour but let me i mean let me play i don't think devil's advocate is the right word but let me play Mr. Positivity here, um, and and I understand, you know, I'll I'll put a, put an asterisk on this in a little bit, but this road trip I think was a big decision point for the Magic. I think they needed to show that they were turning things in the right direction, and we're sitting here. They're what one in three on the road trip overall. 
-hmm. But I've generally been encouraged with the way the Magic have played uh, since the Lakers game on Sun last Sunday, um, so last week. Uh, the, the game against the Clippers, the Blazers, and the Jazz. I mean, I think if, if you would have told anyone you're going to go one and two against the Lakers, Clippers, and Jazz on the road, you're going to take that every time. And, and if you look at those games somewhat in isolation and you say, okay, you know, the, the Magic played with good energy. They generally played good defense. I, I'd argue they played pretty good defense in all three of those games. Their offense got moving, and, and they gave themselves a chance to win all three games. To me, that's a lot. all you can ask for. Now, the mm-hmm. asterisk to that, of course, is the— uh, the asterisk to all that, of course, is this is January. They've already got the seven, you know, they're what, 17 and 25 now. They've already got that record behind them. They've got to pick up the, this pace and get and get back into this playoff race. So saying moral victory, I mean, and, and I think Alfred Payne even said this after the game, it's January. This isn't the time for moral victories. I agree completely with that. It's not the time for moral victories, but considering where this team has been and the inconsistent nature of this team, I kind of view some of these games that this road trip so far as a positive and I'm hoping that they can build some momentum to at least fare decently well toward the end of the month and then when the schedule lightens up pick up some momentum just kind of keep their head above water and then pick up some momentum when the schedule lightens up later on later on in the month yeah I, I think that that's that's possible I think one of the big things that's really helped them since that Laker game is the fact that Frank Vogel's gone away from playing really big he's opened up and he's more open to playing with a, a smaller smaller ball lineup with Jeff Green playing the four rather than the three I think getting Mario Zonia in there is is good even if he might still be a lost puppy defensively and not necessarily be adding a ton offensively just having him out there the threat of his shooting opens things up a little bit especially with that second unit um, and you know Alfred Payton has just, I think, really taken a step forward. He's played really well on this road trip. And, you know, we've seen him do this in flashes. The, the big thing with him, and I think I would I would argue with probably three or four guys on the roster, is can you do this consistently? And I don't know if we're at that point yet with with Alfred or even Aaron Gordon, who's, who's shown some flashes, you know, game here, game there. I mean, I, I think you joked with me on Wednesday night that he should just be allowed to play the Clippers. <laughs> Whoever's playing the Clippers that night, let Aaron Gordon play. Or, you know, every team should be forced to play three-guard lineups against the Magic because then they'd, then they'd be really successful. Don't, I don't want to hear that Aaron Gordon's not a three thing when he's when he's locking down J.J. Redick like he was. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean... That's, I, I, that's probably a, a topic for discussion, too, is Aaron Gordon... Yeah, let's 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 turn to some bigger picture items. I mean, I think we've we've we hit the weekend games pretty well. Um, consistency's been the buzzword for this Magic team all season long. Um, I, I don't think there's anyone that's hiding that. When you look at the first half, I mean, let's let, let me break this into a few pieces. Then, when you look at the first half of the season, does this team have the talent? to make the playoffs and achieve those goals that they had at the beginning of the season? Have they shown you that they have that talent and that, that ability? Not necessarily that they are or that they, they should, but have they shown the talent and ability to do so in the first half of the season? I think that they have. 
you know, to a certain extent. We've seen them play really well, and they've had chances to get some really quality wins. You know, I thought that they had a real chance to beat that Houston team before they went on the road, which I'll be the first one to say I didn't think Houston was going to be this good this season. I'm, I'm with uh, you there, too. I, uh, you know, it's a Mike D'Antoni coach team. I didn't expect them to play defense, and I think they're still bottom half of the league in, in defense rating, but James Harden has just been ridiculous. And, you know, obviously it took Aaron Gordon locking him down. That that was that was probably the best defensive best performance. Defensive I've seen performance from a Magic we've player. yeah since God maybe the finals. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, it's, it's I, been a while. This is, I mean, this, someone someone posed this question to me on Twitter on Saturday before the game, and I, I was I was in the car uh, driving and I was thinking about it on my drive home. Someone asked someone asked me, "Do you see Aaron Gordon possibly becoming the best perimeter defender?" in Magic history. And, and first I had to think, okay, who are the best perimeter defenders in Magic history? And, you know, I I mean, I think with Aaron Gordon, he absolutely has a talent, and we'll get more into Aaron Gordon uh, and, and his position in, in a little bit, but uh, Aaron Gordon absolutely has the talent to do so. And honestly, I think he might already be in that conversation because to me, the best perimeter defenders in Magic history are Anthony Bowie, Nick Anderson, Michael Petras, probably Courtney Lee you can throw in there. Uh, and then my well dries up pretty fast. Matt Barnes. Uh, mm-hmm. it, the, the well dries up pretty fast on, on, on good perimeter defenders in Magic history. Do, I mean, Donald Royal, Anthony Bowie are probably the two classic guys. Nick Anderson was really good back in his day. Uh, like, I mean, everyone knows the famous story about Anthony Bowie uh, and how they had him play pickup against Penny during Penny's draft workout and Penny just torched him, and, and they were like, Bowie's our best perimeter defender. How are we, you know, this is this this rookie's coming in. This this guy hadn't even been drafted yet, and he's coming in and torching this guy. And that's one of the reasons the Magic drafted Penny, or went after Penny as hard as they did. Um, I, I think Gordon might already be in that conversation with the way he's played on defense so far this year, and, and that game against the Rockets was a big reason why. And, you know, Gordon... Gordon has to be out there for his defense. I mean, he's been inconsistent as anybody on the offensive end, but his defense is so good that that at least that's consistent. Yeah, and you know what he might not give you on a consistent basis offensively, he makes up for it defensively, and with those the small things he does. I mean, he's one of the better players with getting some tip outs. He'll go get an offensive rebound. He, you know, Aaron, Aaron's probably the guy who is hardest on himself on that team. You know, even when, even when he has a good game, like he did against the Rockets, you know, he wasn't happy. I mean, obviously, because they didn't get the the result that they needed. I think he's probably more, I mean, he takes losses harder than anybody in that locker room. Yeah. You know, I mean, Aaron and Aaron, I, I would say Aaron's one of the better, better guys with the media. Um, that the team has right now, and you know he's always he's always great with us, even even after losses. Um, but you know his his progression has been, I think, a big key for them. You know, the the debate, obviously, if if he's a three or a four. You know, I think you made a good point to me that 
you know, he's, he's probably a three, you know, he's, he's really, you know, developing. And this is the first season that they've just said, okay, you're playing one position. Let's see what you can do. They know he can play the four. If, you know, if you experiment first season and if he can play the three, great. If not, you can just move him back to the small ball four and run with it. Cause you can find the type of player that would fit really well next to him and make it work. So it's been a big year for him. And I think the second half is, is a, a lot of what will happen with the team and their success is probably going to be predicated on how well Aaron plays. Yeah. And, and we'll get back. Uh, we'll, we'll hit Aaron uh, in, in just a little bit. I'm um, just kind of getting back to, to some of the big picture things uh, with this team. So you, clearly this team has the talent and the ability to make a playoff push. The question is, what now do they have to do to get there? Um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, Aaron's going to be a big part of that. Trade is probably going to be a big part of that. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, to me, I think this team's issues are bigger than a trade. And we'll talk a little bit about the trade deadline later on in the show. I mean, this this whole first 15 minutes has been just one big tease of what we're going to talk about later. Eventually, we'll talk about things. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't think this team's issues are, are just going to be solved with a trade. Because, I mean, like, you, like, like we said... This team has the talent and ability to to do it to 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 play at a high level. We saw that in late November, early December, when this team was just destroying everyone on defense and, and mm. holding teams to less than a hundred points. Since then, it's been what only one game since December eighth, where they've held a team under a hundred points, if, if I'm not mistaken. I think the Lakers that game sounds about right. The Laker game at home. I mean, the, the turning the turning point for the season. I've got my little handy pocket schedule here. Um, the turning point of the season was December sixth against Washington. I don't. I think the Lakers are the the Lakers at home were the only team they've held under a hundred points since then. And this team since December first, if I'm not mistaken, is twenty twenty eighth twenty in the bottom five in terms of defensive rating. They're twenty third, I think, offensive rating, twenty eighth defensive rating since December first, which is not who this team's supposed to be, and so. I mean, I, I think regardless of what the Magic do on the tr- and the trade deadline or at the trade de- deadline, they've got to figure out this defense more than anything else. And, and I'm not 100% sure that's something that just magically gets fixed because of a trade. I would, I would agree. You know, it, this is the same position that they've been in the last three years. They, they've talked about wanting to have this defensive identity and they've shown flashes. You know, they were really good for stretches. You know, last last year under Scott Skiles defensively, and then January came and they fell apart. This year, it just happened to be December when the defense fell apart. But they they've stayed five hundred pretty much they, yeah, essentially they, since then. I mean, I think they're what they're they're probably four games under 500 since December 1st. I mean, throughout the month of December, they were 500. It's been January again mm-hmm. that they've struggled a little bit when the schedule's really yeah. stiffened up. Mm-hmm. I mean, but if they, if they can't defend, you know, they're not going to win basketball games. And it's just, there's, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think that a trade is going to fix that. I think that, you know, maybe they, I don't know if it's if it's looking at the schemes that they're running or looking at the, the combinations that they're they're putting out there, but some something has to give. I, I think one of the big things has been 
Bismack Biombo's disappointing play of late. I mean, ever since he injured his shoulder against Charlotte in yeah. late December, I mean, he's been he's been off, and I, I think that that that's been a, a big thing for the Magic defense. And you know, give credit to Nikola Vucevic who has turned on into. I would say probably about a league average defender almost at this point. You know, he's still maybe a net negative in, in some areas, but he's shown massive improvement on that yes. end. And that's been so big. I'm pretty sure that you said this after Friday night's game that, you know, that was probably one of his better defensive performances yet. Yeah, and I thought he followed it up pretty well on Saturday against Utah too. I mean, I think... He had a few deflections, a couple, another couple block shots. I thought he did a good job uh, staying in contact with Rudy Gobert for the most part, um, sometimes to a fault. But, um, you know, he stepped up. I mean, I think Vucevic, I mean, Vucevic is probably, and this is crazy to say, you could argue he's the most improved player on the team from last year, from what he, from where he was last year to where he is this year. Hmm. I mean, his offense has taken a little bit of a step back, but I think we're seeing him bounce back a little bit there too. I mean, I think being back in the starting lineups, you know, psychologically has helped him a lot as well. But I think I, it's I, th- I think it would be between him and Aaron Gordon yeah. for yeah, most that's, improved. That's true. That's true. But I, I I don't think you would go you would necessarily be wrong saying that Vooch is the most improved because of how much his defense has improved. I mean, that's I mean, we're, that's we're, huge. We're, we're, we're at the point, and if you told 2014 me or even 2015 me this, we're at the point where I want Nikola Vucevic out there ahead of Bismack Biombo on, on defensive possessions. And it's not necessarily because I think Biombo is a bad defender or that Biombo, I mean, and Biombo's shoulder it might be affecting him more than we thought. I hadn't even thought of that. But um, Vucevic should be out there. To, to, to play defense because he's been for the most part very very good now the things he's still bad at especially pick and rolls when you, when you do a spread pick and roll and kind of isolate him on a guard he's still gonna struggle and, and, he, mm-hmm. and he, he comes and goes just like everyone else I mean I think the caveat when we talk about every player on this team is they have their moments and then they have their bad moments uh, and you know you just don't know what to expect at any point from anybody yet right and I think and, that's that's honestly the heart of the matter for the Magic is, yes, they are good enough, but you don't know what you're, what you're going to get from anybody so far. Yeah, and that's you know, I think that's that's the biggest issue that we're at because you know you don't know from night to night if you're going to get good Alfred Payton, good Vucevic. I mean, you, you just don't know where you're going to get. Yeah. That there's there's too much inconsistency across the roster, and you know, I think that's that's one of the the big issues that the team is facing right now is figuring out how to how to bring that energy every night, which you would think wouldn't be a problem considering this is what these guys do. But here we are yet again. Yep. And, and and I think, you know, and, and heading back to the road trip a little bit, I think what's been good about this road trip is they came out so flat against the Lakers last Sunday on the first game of the road trip. They've played with good energy the last three games, and that's probably the first time we've been able to say definitively this team is playing with good energy. Uh, 
for a, for a long stretch of games or for a consecutive set of games in a while. Um, so I think that's, a, again, that's not what you want to be saying in January. That's a November, December statement, but at least it feels like some, some progress. Uh, closing out, I guess, this, this, this broad thing before we head into like specific players, who's been the first half MVP for the Orlando Magic in your mind? Ooh. And that's saying that's that's asking a lot because like we said, this team is so inconsistent. You don't know what to expect from anybody. Yeah. Man. Put you on the spot there, didn't I? Yeah, a little <laughs> do, bit. Do you want me to give me give give my answer while you while you're yeah, thinking? Yeah, I'm 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 interested to see okay. what you have to say I, here. I think the the team MVP so far has been Serge Ibaka. I, I think that Ibaka has and, and and maybe this will be a good segue to talk a little bit about the the after effects of, of the trade, but I think Serge Ibaka has done everything the Magic have expected of him or would hope to get from him. He's upped his scoring percentage. His defense has relatively returned to at least where it was last year, so he hasn't regressed on the defensive end. And, and I know a lot of people like to say that Ibaka was bad defensively last year. It wasn't that he was bad defensively last year. It was that he wasn't as good as he was in his heyday. He's, I think he's better than he was last year during the regular season. He's at least as good as he was last year for the Thunder. Um, he's, made, he's, he's expanded his offensive role. I think there's a few hiccups early in the season when, when Vogel was experimenting a little bit with, uh, with, with how to use him and probably gave him a little too much. Now they seem to have him getting shots in the right place. His field goal percentage is way up. His three-point field goal percentage is also up, up and back to where you know I think it's a little where it's a little more comfortable for him. He's done most mostly the right things on defense. Uh, so I think you know for a veteran, you know maybe he's not the all-star that I maybe hoped he hoped he would be, but he's delivered exactly what I expected from him, uh, and it's fairly consistent for the most part. He'll have some, he'll have his down night still, so he's not completely reliable. But for the most part, you know what you're getting from Serge Ibaka, and you know it's going to be generally pretty good, uh, at least from him individually. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the direction that I'm leaning. I, I think that through and through, he's probably been the most consistent player for the Magic. Um, you know, I, I feel like you can almost rely on him every night to give you, you know, 16 points, you know, six, seven, eight rebounds. And he he does, I think he's defended, you know, both on ball and on and off ball relatively well. You know, he's, his help has been pretty big, you know. He's had the two most uh, memorable shots of the season. Yeah. You know, I, I would probably, I would probably say, Surge. Um, my my other thought was maybe you go with Aaron Gordon be, because of what he's done defensively and and some of the uh, the other things that he's done. I mean, he's had a couple of really big games. And then I think maybe the the darkest of dark horses there would be Alfred. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously his his inconsistencies are still an issue, and his his defense is still an issue, but. It's better than it was last year, and is hey, he's shooting co- confidently now. Yep, he's shooting confidently, and when he has a good game, he has a really good game. Yes, I, it's, I it's mean, like it was last year. Last year, when he was really good, the Magic yeah. were really good. 
this year when he is really good, and this includes Matt, last night, you know, because I think what ha- honestly what I think what happened uh, I Saturday think they night ran out of gas. Utah, I think they ran out of gas, and I think they slowed the game down too much at, at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Elford was standing too much, and he needed to attack. Yeah, I, and I think that was a big reason why the I think that's the whole reason why the Magic offense just stopped, just went to a went to a, a sputter at the end of the game. Yep, I would agree with that. Especially that game where Peyton was just torching George Hill, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, I'm I'm a little surprised you didn't you didn't uh, put it put a word in for Evan Fournier. Yeah, you know, Evan. How would you how would you assess his season so far? I, I think it's it's pretty much what you expected for the most part. Um, I, I think Evans had some some really good games, and he's been generally pretty consistent. But I, I think the last you know, month or so since he suffered that heel injury has kind of, you know, really diminished his season, you know, to an extent at least, be from missing the games to, you know, really looking flat and, and struggling when he came back. Um, I don't think you would necessarily be wrong if you said that, that Evan was the... Uh, I mean, he's been was, as consistent as anybody in my in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think him and him and Serge have been the two most consistent, you know, players for the team. Um, so I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I just I think that there might be slightly better options. Sure. Sure. Um, okay, so let's let's move on then to to the big question. We've teased it plenty so far in the last twenty or so minutes since we started chatting here. Uh, Aaron Gordon at the three. I, I still sense when. National media talk, watch the Magic for the first time or for the first time in a long time, and they see the mess that the Magic kind of are, that they still say Aaron Gordon is a four. And I'm not here to disagree with them because I think there's a fair argument there. But how would you assess the Magic's experiment moving Aaron Gordon to the three and onto the perimeter so far this year through that through the midway point of the season? How would I assess it? How would you, how would you assess the experiment so far? I think that it, it's been okay actually you know i think that obviously there's there's times when it's been a little rough because you don't have the spacing that you know the team might need uh, especially in certain with certain lineups when bismack biombo was out there starting next to uh serge Ibaka. but i think overall it's it's worked out you know his again his defense has been phenomenal and I think he's he's starting to get a little bit more confident uh, shooting ball. And I think one of the big things, especially in like the last month, month and a half, I think his shot selection has gotten a lot better than it was. I, I thought that there were times when he was forcing it. And it seems like he's, you know, maybe there's times when he still forces it. But for the most part, I, th- I think it's gotten better. I think he can. I think he can play it. You know, he he has the athleticism. If he can become a consistent jump shooter, like I I think he can, especially considering the amount of work that he puts in. Uh, I think he could play it. You know, I I will say this: that depending on, on what the team does with Serge Ibaka this summer, or you know, even in the next month, you know, is gonna you know, mean a lot for for Aaron because 
if you keep surge, you're you're saying that that Aaron is your three moving forward. You know, if if surge is traded or surge leaves a free agency, then it probably opens the door to, you know, maybe adding somebody like a Tobias Harris type, who can <laughs> who just, can you're play. Just, you're just trolling now. Well, <laughs> okay, maybe slightly, but you know that type that you know you have that interchangeability. You know, maybe Aaron would slightly be slightly better playing the four offensively when you know the other player would be slightly better playing the three and then it just interchanges defensively. Um I, I think that that's that's an interesting thing to look at when you really try to project out what Aaron Gordon is moving forward. Yeah, and, and I think you brought up a lot of good points about Aaron Gordon specifically on the offensive end. Uh, I think his shot selection has been better. Uh, something that I think a lot of us didn't think about that Aaron brought up himself is that he is finally feeling 100% healthy from the ankle injury that he suffered in training camp. And, and, and those injuries do tend to linger a little bit, and it's tough to fully recover from them. But you can definitely tell there's a little bit more confidence, number one, and a little bit more of a spring in his step uh, as well, which is scary because Aaron Gordon has like you know literal springs in his step. Uh, but to me, when I look at whether this experiment is working and, and whether or not he ends up playing three or four for the rest of his career, it's clear he can play both on occasion. Uh, and uh, I think like when the Magic tried playing Victor Oladipo at the one, this experiment will be valuable for him for the rest of his career because he will now have skills that he may not have otherwise worked on. Uh, to me, though, this experiment with him playing on the perimeter is more about his defense. Offensively, yeah. he's still coming along. And, and, I, and, and if you look at his splits since December, I think he's shooting, what, 34, 35, 36% from three, which is much more respectable. Um, so his full season three-point shooting percentage isn't as good as maybe his last month and a half or so. But to me, it's like everything with this team, it's all about his defense. And Aaron Gordon is, to me, already at an elite level, defending on the perimeter. We saw what he did against James Harden. I thought he did a very good job trailing and staying with C.J. McCollum on Friday. Not an easy cover for him because McCollum's so small and he goes around screens a lot. Did a good job as well against J.J. Redick, chasing him after screens. Um, we saw him, you know, we've seen him, uh, the game against Sacramento earlier in the year in Orlando when he really shut down Rudy Gay at the end of the game to, to make sure the Magic got that win. Um this guy is really, 20. really after the first quarter of yeah. that game. Rudy Gay and DeMarcus Cousins, you know, single handedly, you know, almost ran the magic out of the gym in that first quarter, and then I think Rudy Gay scored maybe four points the rest of the game. I mean yeah, Aaron Aaron did a phenomenal job. I mean it's it's I mean I mean let's put this in perspective. This guy is twenty one years old. It's his third year in the NBA, granted. He's twenty one years old and Frank Vogel, one of the top defensive coaches in the entire NBA, is saying, I trust him to guard the other team's best player. And if you go back and look at tape on on how Gordon defended James Harden, for a 21-year-old to be so disciplined as not to foul him, I think Harden had, what, six free throw attempts that game? He did not reach at all. The only time I think he reached was when he literally ripped the ball out of Harden's hands for a steal, something that is really hard to do because Harden has probably the strongest hands in the league. Um, 
to me, Gordon is approaching, if he hasn't already gotten there, elite defensive status in the league. And when I think about it, you can't take away his most elite skill. And by putting him at the four, you run the risk of him playing a Zach Randolph and losing what makes Aaron Gordon and essentially an NBA player. I mean, I think Aaron Gordon is a starter in this league on his defense alone. I mean, even if he becomes Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is a good player. You know, a player you want on your team, a player that you need in your starting lineup sometimes. Uh, and yes, this lineup's mismatched. You probably can only have one non-shooter on the perimeter. So having Gordon and Peyton together does constrict the space a little bit. But his defense is so valuable, I think you have to leave him on the perimeter and leave him at the three. And that's why I think this experiment is certainly continue, is worth continuing to try, but also probably where he's going to be home for, for the, at least the foreseeable future. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think we started seeing it some last season that Aaron was probably going to be the Magic's best perimeter defender. And it's it's really spiked this season. And I, I think that your point on you know him you know needing to play on the wing to be able to use his his biggest skill is very fair and very apt because you know if not then you know you're wasting him because he's going to get bullied by Zach Randolph or some of the bigger power forwards of course they're, they're, they're becoming game. fewer and fewer granted mm-hmm. which you know maybe maybe that's something that changes his position in a year or two when there's just you know the stretch guys and you know the guys that aren't gonna you know, necessarily go down and bully you in the paint. And maybe that that is the time that you, you know, move him back to primarily playing the four. Who knows? But right now I think he's in I think he's in the right position, especially with how this roster is constructed. Absolutely. Because I mean I think we've seen Serge Ibaka struggles with bigger centers uh, in the in the few times he has played center this year. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I I mean I think that's that's the bigger issue. I mean he's a tweener um, my, my theory going around is that the Magic don't want to throw too much at him, and so they're keeping him at the three to, to kind of narrow his responsibilities and have him focus on what they want him to focus on. Uh, right. And then, you know, when, you know, maybe later in the year, maybe next year, when they feel like he's very comfortable playing the three, they'll throw playing him at the four a little bit more. I mean, that's, that's, that's my theory. You can agree or disagree with it, but that's kind of my going theory that they're they're kind of keeping him on a little bit of a tight leash as far as the responsibilities they're throwing at him. They, I think they've limited his responsibilities a little bit more from the start of the year. They they dropped him running pick and rolls, which he was terrible at, uh, and and doing some of those other thi- doing some of those other things that that small forwards do, and are telling him to either attack quick or move the ball. And I think that's that's a good thing for him to do right now. That's 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 what that's within his skill set. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, so I, I just want to say that we're recording this in the middle of the the Cowboys Packers uh, game, and I'm I'm not watching, but man, is Twitter going berserk <laughs> over this game? It, it sounds like we're watching Game Seven of the Finals again. Wait, did the Packers? I mean, sorry for the aside Wait, here. Did the Packers, did, did the just, Packers do just win? 
Did the Packers just win? <laughs> Did the Packers they just win get the field goal in one? Oh, wow. How'd that happen? I thought it was going to overtime. I'm watching the Northwestern game. <laughs> uh, wow. That's Jeez. incredible, actually. Okay. 50-yard um, okay. field goal, apparently. All right. Um, on a, yeah. Wow. On a, uh, yeah, on a somewhat related note to, to you know, the whole basketball thing, and it's a little sad, too, I think. But, you know, the Ringling Brothers announced that they were shutting down their circus. I'm interested to see what you think this might mean as it, you know, relates to scheduling. You yeah, know, this, the next, the magic. The next, yeah, the next, the next time we get Rob Hennigan, I actually want to ask him this question. Because um, the Magic schedule is relatively the same every year. And I think Brian Windhorst, while we were recording this, actually tweeted this out that the Ringling Brothers canceling the circus or, or, or shutting down the circus does have a very big effect on arena availability and teams are going to be able to experiment a little bit more with their schedules. The Magic typically take their road trips the first week of December, so the week after Thanksgiving. They, take, they usually take a road trip. They did this year. They usually take one the first week of January when the circus comes to the Amway Center and then they usually take another one in like March, early to mid-March. Yeah, that's that's usually when they take their trips. Now, why the Magic choose to take the December trip and the March trip is a bit of a mystery to me. Um, I always understood that they take the January trip because the circus comes to town. Mm-hmm. Maybe March this year is because the NCAA tournament is in town, which uh, I'm looking at that schedule. They are on the West Coast the weekend of March Madness. They return home that Monday. And then, of course, they take a little three-game road trip uh, during WrestleMania week uh, this year. Uh, it's actually a four-game road trip, excuse me, during WrestleMania weekend in April, um, which that's that's a special event too. I mean, I, I, I'd be curious to ask if, A, how do they determine when they take their road trips? And some of it's arena availability, but I, I, mean, I imagine some of it is also just choice. Like, when do you mm-hmm. want to take your road trips? Um, or at least preference of choice. And B whether the Magic will ask to not take a January road trip this year and maybe push it back to late January or early February, right before the All-Star break, uh, just for schedule balance. Because, I mean, you look at the Magic schedule in January this, this, month, this month, you know, what, it's what, 15 of 16 games, or not, 11 of 16 games are on the road this month? Something, that sounds about right. I mean, they've played, this road trip is a six-game road trip. They played... Eight of their first ten games this month on the road. They have a three-game road trip and then a three a three-game homestand and a three-game road trip. So the Magic have played a very road-heavy schedule in January. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if the Magic try you know maybe try and shuffle that up if, if that happened to be something that just happened this year or or whatever. So I, I'd be curious what that process is, and so that may be something to ask uh, Hen, Rob Hennigan or even Alex Martins might be the guy who answers that question. Uh, to yeah. ask that question when when we get them next time because it is it is going to be interesting to see if that changes the schedule a little bit because there is a rhythm like I think Frank uh, Vogel actually said this um, late last month too uh, is that uh, he's not used to all the travel from Florida like Orlando is usually one of the teams that has the most travel miles in the league um, and so. He has canceled shoot-arounds and canceled practices the day after road trips because they get in so late from the road trip or from the short road trip 
um, because of just the geography of the country. Uh, and so there is something to that, I think. Yeah, oh, I'll be uh, I'll be interested to see what this means for for the team moving forward, especially you know next season when you know we might be looking at a a completely new roster and new management, you know, from top to bottom. So it, it's it's going to be interesting and. I've always I've always noticed uh, the the trends with the schedule too, and it's. I, I and this year, I was surprised we didn't. The, the Magic didn't take their their road trip, their West Coast road trip in December like they usually do. Yeah, I think that they took the they switched that December and you know that December and January road trip. You know, usually kind of I think flip flops every year. I think last year they were predominantly during East the- Coast. During the East title Co- during the title years, the Magic would actually take their West Coast road trips in December and January, and I always thought that was a huge advantage to get the two big West Coast road trips done relatively yeah. within the first half of the season. Yeah, I thought I thought that that was the the best for roster construction, or I mean, not not roster construction, but for scheduling. Yeah, for them, um, and, you know, I'll, I'd be interested to see if that's something that they you know consider going back to it. You know, Assuming that they keep, you know, generally the same scheduling type, um, but you know, as you alluded to, so much, so much of it depends on what's going on at Amway Center. You know, yeah, it, it sounds like. I mean, the Magic from, have some. The Orlando has some special events this year that 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 necessitated mm-hmm. road trips for certain weekends, and uh, you know, say what say what you want about the WWE, but. Yeah, the, the Amway Center is going to be all WWE. Phil, this, no, Phil, no, Phil, Phil, this isn't. No, this no, isn't the not, time. Oh, oh, you just, you just wait till April. I have some posts planned, man. I have some posts planned. Um, let's let's spend uh, the next uh, 10, 15 minutes or so to close the show out with what comes next. And I think we all know what comes next for this Magic team, and that is the February twenty third trade deadline. I'm sure we'll have another show closer to the trade deadline to really preview what the Magic are doing, but. What should the Magic be targeting as they prepare now for this trade deadline? I think you and I both said this road trip is a big proving ground for the Magic or a big statement time for the Magic to either say, okay, we can hold the ship steady for a little while longer or, you know, we got to make a move now or we're going to be out of this thing. Uh, what First off, what should the Magic's, you know, strategy be at the trade deadline? Should they buy? Should they sell? Should they wait a little bit longer? Um, or, and what should they be targeting when, when they are looking for trades? It is it possible that it's all of the above? <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be this team if it weren't. Because I think that I think that they should be buyers to a certain extent, and they should be sellers to a certain extent. And you know, there's probably a time when you could even say that they should just stand pat at this point. I don't think anyone um, is saying – I mean, maybe for tomorrow they should stand pat, but I don't think anyone's saying that they should stand pat through the deadline at this point. Oh, through the deadline, no. Okay. I, I would agree with that. Um, obviously, I think the the clearest need for this team right now is on the wing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are what's, – what's the right word? Um, putrid? 
uh, when you get past Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier. I mean, Jody Meeks has given them Jody some really Meeks good has minutes. Done, done some good things, but done some good things. But I mean, after mainly after the the first two, it gets bad and fast. You know, Jeff Green has been a train wreck. Mario Hazonia is a train wreck. C.J. Watson, while he does some okay things out there, he's a train wreck. I think that they they could have used C.J. Wilcox to. You know, I've been able to give him something, but that hasn't worked out. So finding some wing depth, I, I'm not even saying that they need to find a, a small forward because I think that they, they're fine with Aaron Gordon there, you know, starting right now. You know, you need a reserve. I I threw out a name last night to you, um, Alan Crabb. Not, that's that's I, a name I've heard a lot of people talking about. I, I don't know what Portland's plans are. I mean, they're a cluster of their own with uh, the moves that they decided to make this offseason. Um, I'm still a little bit confused about why they signed Evan Turner. And it's, it's, they, the, 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 it's the same reason people in the magic signed Jeff green, just, just for longer and, and, and as much money. Yeah. And slowly turning to the reason that the magic signed Bismack Biombo. Yes. Which is where I think the magic need to be sellers but they're going to have problems because I don't think anybody's going to take that contract. I mean, everyone who's, everyone who's, who's given me the Alan Crabb, do the biz for Alan Crabb. And, and I think to some extent, biz does fill a need. The biz certainly does fill a need for the Blazers need right for now. The, they need yeah. a center. They, need a, they just need a rim-protecting center. They don't need any more offense. They need defense. And biz technically can give them that. Uh, but every time they say, do Crabb for biz, I'm like, Portland's going to push Turner instead of Crab. They're not they're not going to just give up Crab. And the Magic need to get a backup center if they're trading Biz anyway cuz then you know if, if Vucevic probably should be the starting starting front court tandem, but they don't have any bigs outside of Biz. I mean, they were running a, a three-man front court rotation for the power forward and center spot for a long time. Now they've added Jeff Green to that mix too. It does. It doesn't work. And I mean, some people would say, "Oh, just play Gordon at the four and run Mario at the three. I know there's a lot of Mario fans out there, and yes, I still believe Mario Azonia can become a decent player, but it hasn't happened yet. And this team's trying to win, and Hazonia just has not taken that that step forward that he needs to take. All right, Phil, I'm firing up the old trade machine. Uh oh, uh oh, be careful with that thing. All right. So you so you say that the Magic need to find a backup big man if they do trade Biombo. Hypothetically with still with Portland. Sure. Yeah. You know, yes, they're probably gonna going to push Evan Turner. But the magic And you don't you know, do Jeff Green for Evan Turner. Let's 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 make that perfectly clear. Jeff Green is oh, bad, God. but for everyone who tells me Jeff Green is overpaid and, and not living up to his contract, it was a low risk deal. I am perfectly okay eating Jeff Green this year and letting him walk in the summer. It cost it literally costs the Magic nothing to do that. I I agree. Um, what, it, if it took it, so say you could get Alan Crabb and Ed Davis, would you throw in Mario Hazonia if that's what it took? Yeah, I'd probably do that. I'd probably do that. You get Davis who can play that backup center spot and then you could you could easily play him with Vucevic still too at, sure. at at power forward 
you know, you get a floor spacer and a guy who can play some three, he can play some two, you know, gives you a little bit more insurance if, if Evan Fournier is, is injured. And, you know, from Portland's perspective, it, it gives them that, that center that they need. Yeah. And it I, just, I it feel, just means they have to rely on Evan, on Evan Turner. Yes. Or, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe they more Mo Harkless they, is good though, too. I'm, I'm not going to yes. complain for, for less Mo Harkless. I've I've uh, I've been a proponent of sending Evan Turner to the Kings because Evan Turner seems like the most Kings player that has ever turned. Sure. So, may, maybe Evan Turner to the Kings for Rudy Gay. Do it, Portland. Don't don't I mean don't don't go crazy. They 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 would do it. I mean I I think Portland's issues defense, not offense, right now. I mean the the way the I mean the Magic held I think Portland to one hundred five points per one hundred possessions. Which That's I noted is really good against that team. That team's averaging 100 yeah. per per 100 possessions. That is really, I mean, that it's not really good defense, but it is good defense, and that's why mm. I was very optimistic out of that game. And I haven't done the math yet, but I would imagine the Magic's defense against Utah before the the 13-0 run was actually looking pretty good too. I thought they I thought they did a good job for the most part defensively uh, on Saturday night as well. So. I mean that maybe that lessens the panic a little bit, but but they got to get some wins, obviously. Uh, what right. what? Uh, so you know, I think wing depth is certainly something that the Magic are looking for at this trade deadline. Uh, I think and that's I, absolutely I, something that they need to pursue. What are they willing they all, to give up? I mean, we're talking we're talking Biombo, but I think Biombo is going to be really tough to deal. First year, uh, four year deal. Uh, you know, he hasn't lived up to expectations. It's going to be tough to get equal value. You're gonna ha- you're going to be taking a chance on someone. You know, I don't know if I don't think I don't know if Alan Alan Crab is disappointed or not to Portland fans, but you're going to be taking a chance on someone who maybe isn't living up to their contract too, and you're still going to have a right. long term deal to 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 stick out. Um, and and I think that's the difficulty of trade of trading Biombo. To me, as bad as it sounds, and I do agree, it's bad. Um, Nikola Vucevic is still the most tradable player on this team, and if the Magic are going to improve, they're going to be shopping Vucevic around pretty heavily. I think I, I would agree with that. Um, and it, it's tough, especially considering how much Vooch has improved on the defensive end this season. You know, he's really, he's done everything gotten, they've asked of him this year. It, it's really, I mean, if he wants to stay, he deserves the chance to stay, but you know, that's, that's the business that that's, yeah, that's a different discussion for a different day. Um, but I think obviously you're, you're more than willing to trade Jeff Green. I think that you're probably willing to move on from C.J. Watson if there's a team that they have a lot of expiring contracts that they can deal. Uh, Jody Jody Meeks seven and a half million. C.J. Watson's do five million next year, but that's completely non guaranteed if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Mario Azonia is certainly someone you can dangle out there uh, if someone still believes in him. Uh, who else? Uh, Serge Ibaka, I think, is the elephant in the room. We'll talk. I think we, we should talk about him in a little bit. But there are some. You know, the Magic have some flexibility to make some moves if that's the direction they want to go. Um, let's, let's get into Serge Ibaka then. The, I guess the, the kill switch then is, okay, Serge Ibaka is, you know, the Magic are out of the playoffs. It's unclear if the Magic are going to be able to re-sign Serge Ibaka, which I, which I think is a fair assessment at this point. Uh, and they just decide, we've got to recoup some of our losses. We gave up a lot for him. We can't lose him for nothing. 
uh, and they trade Serge Ibaka. What do you think the Magic can get for Serge Ibaka, and, and who do you think could be in the market for a player like him? Hmm. Market-wise, I think that the, the biggest team that comes to mind first is probably Toronto. Mm-hmm. You know, Toronto is in desperate need of, of power forward help. And I don't think that Jared Sellinger is really the answer there. Um, I mean, we don't know. He's been hurt all year. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Ibaka is an upgrade over... over uh, Patrick uh, Patterson. Over and, Patterson, over Sellinger. And Pascal Siakam. Pascal, Pascal Siakam. Siakam Siakam. However the hell you say his last name. Um, you know, I, I think this is a, a team that we've talked about a little bit. Maybe... Minnesota would would be interested in Serge if they really think that they can re-sign him, um, because you know Tom Thibodeau has he's a little impatient up there. Yeah, he's he's a he's impatient and b he's the type that would would want to add that veteran leader to really help that young but that it's, young bunch. It's, it's it's tough for me to see Minnesota acquire Ibaka without a guarantee that he's going to stay. I agree. And I don't think they're in a position where they can really feel comfortable he's going to stay. I mean, I think to, I think the best thing for the Magic was Paul Millsap kind of going away and, and being taken off the market. Uh, because, for now. Yeah, for now. Because Ibaka, Millsap is ahead of Ibaka on, on, that, on that market. Yep. Uh, and so you go from... You know, whoever was chasing after him, I think Toronto was. There were rumors Boston may, might have been, and, and maybe Boston's a team that 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 slides in there. Um, Ibaka is a player that's going to help. I, I think the Magic, if they trade Ibaka, are going to be targeting playoff teams that need that extra that extra oomph and that extra kick. Uh, and so that's why I think Toronto's a team. I think Boston's a team. Uh, you know, I'm looking at some of the other teams that are in the playoff hunt and. You know, there's been some talk that maybe Golden State might do it, but I just don't see what they have that the Magic would want, um, other than big players, which they're not going to give up. Uh, you know, there, there just aren't a lot of options available for a guy like Ibaka, and certainly the Magic, I think, are going to be pushing to, you know, if they feel they're out of the playoff race at the deadline, they're going to be pushing to make a deal just to get get something back for him. Yeah, I I would agree with that. You know, maybe another team that you could consider that might throw their their name in there this team we just talked about needing a defensive big portland yeah you know i I don't know what portland would i think again they probably want to try to offload evan turner but you know i think they're a team maybe but the magic the magic certainly won't have the same desperation as they would as biombo or like right it's, it's a little more palatable to take on Ibaka and still have Turner there, I think. Like, having yeah, I, Turner and Biombo would be bad, just contract-wise. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I will say that I think that the market is kind of small for Ibaka at this point. You know, and it's still, I, I think I, it's still early, too. Like, yeah, like I think I think everyone's antsy to make a trade. It's still really early. Teams are still identifying their needs and figuring out what they need themselves, uh, and so they're not itching to make a deal. I think I think at this point, only only a really only a bad deal can get made. It depends. 
Uh-oh, I, I, I think I think that, that, that sounded like our cue to, to, wrap, to wrap things up here. Um, Zach? Yeah, because you're putting me to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Um, uh, Northwestern's up 14 toward the end of the first half, if, if anyone cares. So, so uh, Who's Northwestern playing? They're playing Iowa. Um, no, no NBA oh. players. Uh, maybe Peter Yoke might get might get an NBA look. He's he's he averaged like eight points per game for the first three years of his career and bumped up to like twenty two this year. So he's he's looked really really good. But um, to close the show out, second half of the season is here. Magic had seventeen wins in the first half. Where do the magic? How many wins do the Magic finish with? And I guess I mean I think the playoffs are success or failure for the magic but what do you want to see from the magic in the final 40 games now consistency i i think that that's that's the biggest thing that you want to see because you know you and i have joked about it you myself Corey hudson who writes for me and will ogburn who also writes for me we've all joked about this at games we don't know what the hell we're going to get from night to night with this magic game. yeah and you know, we, we just need to see some sort of consistency. You know, maybe that's what, you know, tosses them up into the playoff race again. But, and they're still not that far out of it. I mean, as, as, yeah, gloomy, it, it, as the, gloomy as it seems that it is for the Magic right now, you know, they're 17 and 25. They're only three and a half, four games out of the playoffs. And it's it's far, but it's not, like, too far. It's still possible. It's gonna be hard, but it's still possible. Yeah, I, I they're they're in a tough spot because if they can't find any consistency and they can't get something going again defensively, they're they're gonna be in a in a really rough spot. So we'll see. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully they can find that because I think both of us are kind of tired of of writing generally the same thing night after night yes. when they play. Yes, um, I, I think win wise, I had them pegged at about thirty eight to before the season. You know, if they get there, I I feel like that would be somewhat of a success because they'd improve yet again. And you know, we, you and I both both talked about this: the team putting these artificial deadlines on on this rebuild has kind of constricted them some and and really hurt them and i think that at the end of the day you just need to see that tangible growth yes the playoffs would be would be nice and that's a very good goal to have but it's not completely lost if you continue to see that growth um especially in in guys like aaron gordon alfred payton and even mario zonia whenever he gets on the court uh, so I think that those are a few things to look forward to for the the second half of the season, and the trade deadline should be should be fun. Yeah, and, and I think the follow up question that I was going to ask you, I think that might be uh, best left for uh, later on in the season. But I guess I'll I'll pose it now. Um, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, and I think the strategy will play itself out at the trade deadline, so we'll I think we'll probably address this as we get closer to the trade deadline. What direction does the team need to go? I mean, it seems like you and I are kind of on the same page that if the playoffs fail this year for whatever reason, the Magic shouldn't double down with veterans but reinvest and supplement their young guys, especially Aaron Gordon, who seems to 
You know, in the same way that we began anointing Victor Oladipo, Aaron Gordon seems to be the next uh, guy who is in line to try and become a star at some point. Um, all right, Phil, get get the gloves on. Oh, God. How, 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 how hot is this take? Um, mild. Um, y- you actually, you and I actually talked about this. I don't remember if it was last week or, or before All that. All the games but, are run together, so it was at some point. Yeah. Um, Aaron Gordon actually has star potential. Victor Oladipo doesn't. There you have it. There That's why, you that have is it. why the Magic traded Victor Oladipo. There you and, have it. And, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, he's, he's played really well this season because he's playing next to a guy who's averaging a triple-double. Yes. I could play well next to Russell Westbrook. Victor, Victor Oladipo is shooting more efficiently, sure. Uh, but he's averaging about the same amount of points, and, and I think we all thought this when he was here, that he shouldn't be the first first guy on, on a team. He's not the first guy on a winning team. Um, and, and, you know, we can rehash Victor Oladipo later. Um, I'll give you my predictions and my thing to look forward to, and then we'll wrap wait, the show up. Oh, go ahead. Wait, wait, oh, wait, wait. I, I have to put on the gloves, too, because you had a hot take last oh, night. Oh, don't, don't share that hot take. Go ahead, share it. No, 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 no. It's it's your hot take. I, I'm putting the gloves on for you to share this. Is it my Vogel take? Yes. I've 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 floated this idea out there a few times. That Frank Vogel is a good coach. I think he's I done. Agree. I think he's done a, at least a decent job with this Magic team. Expectations aside, I think he would have been the better coach for last year's team. And Scott Skiles would have been the better coach for this year's team. I think he's too calm, and that's a, a reason why the urgency level hasn't been where it needs to be. Whereas last year, they were too frantic and too jumpy, especially late in games, and that's why they couldn't close anything, and they needed a little bit more stability in, uh, in the bench. That's that's my going theory. I have no idea if that's correct or not, but that's, that's, that's my going theory. I, I forget... Specifically, what the hot take was. Uh, my, my laptop just burst yeah. into flames. Yeah, I think I said. I think I told you last night. Frank Vogel is a good coach, but not coach, the right. But he's coach not the right team. coach for this team. Yep. Which, you know, we can debate that. We'll debate. I think we'll debate that when we assess Vogel at the end of the season. I, it, I think it's, he's here for the long haul. I think he's a good coach. I think I'm, I'm happy he's here. I think he's done a, a, as good a job as he can with a roster that just doesn't work. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, which obviously isn't his fault. Yes. That, um, that com- comes down to Rob Hennigan, whose seat is probably as hot as my laptop is after that take. Yeah, yeah, and, and we've been going for an hour, so I'm sure my laptop is plenty hot and screaming at me to, to shut it down for a while too. Um, just, to, just to wrap this up, my, my win prediction, I had 40 games at the beginning of the season. Uh, I think... The, uh, the Magic will probably get to 35 or 36 again. Like they, I think they'll match last year's record, essentially, um, which is a huge disappointment, to be, to be honest. Um, I think they'll, they'll pick up another 18 wins somewhere in the, in the second half of the season. You know, Maybe bump that up to 20 and they, they can get to 37. Uh, I had them at 40 at the beginning of the season. I think 41 is probably the number to get into the playoffs. So obviously I think they'll fall short once again, uh, like I did at the beginning of the season. Uh, but I think the big thing to watch uh, the rest of this season is Aaron Gordon's continued growth and development and whether the Magic begin giving him a little more responsibility. It looks like 
they're starting to play him more normal starters minutes. He was essentially splitting minutes with Jeff Green through the first half of the season. Maybe Gordon had like 26, 27, 28 minutes per game. I would suspect he'll bump bump up to 30, 31, 32. We've already seen him play the entire first quarter of the last of this entire road trip. Essentially, he's uh, at least since the Clippers game, he's played the entire first quarter. So he's the last starter to come out, um, and he's someone that the Magic need on the floor when the other team star, star is in. Um, the other thing I would say to continue to watch is will this defense figure itself out? Um, you know, can they get another good stretch together and, and build some momentum? Um, I think that's the big thing we've been waiting for for the last uh, last month or so. So um, that's 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 where I stand at the midpoint of the season. Uh, be sure to let us know where you stand at the midpoint of the season. You can always contact the show, uh, contact us on Twitter as well. Um, I'll, I'm sure I'll put this uh, in a post on OrlandoMagicDaily.com so you can uh, uh, interact with us there in the comments below. Um, you can always follow the podcast on Locked On Magic uh, on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as on Facebook. Uh, at Locked On Magic, give us a like there, Zach. Uh, tell us what you have coming up on Orlando Pinstripe Post and, and where they can find you on tw- on Twitter and online. Um, well, there there's going to be some a, a big site announcement coming soon, likely. Um, mm. Good, 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 good things. Good tease. Good tease. Yep. Um, I know that Will was uh, was working on uh, an interesting take um, about Aaron Gordon and his position. So we'll have we'll have that soon. I've got something coming up on on Aaron Gordon also. So a lot of Aaron Gordon and more know, Aaron Gordon's always good. More Aaron Gordon's good. We're gonna have some. I imagine we'll have some stuff on Penny Hardaway uh, uh, coming absolutely. up too. Absolutely, more Penny's always that's good a, too. That's a that's a big thing that we didn't touch on that's happening this week. So <sighs> you know, there, there's gonna be some fun stuff I think. Um, and if, if you don't follow me on Twitter, don't. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll probably be rude to you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you can find me at Zach Oliver NBA, and you know, I'll probably talk more about golf than I do basketball at times. But you know, we'll, we'll still have some fun. I mean, I'm sure someone. I, I'm sure someone just just made a 59 at YLI. Um, because I, yep, everyone, I, everyone I, has. Ch- Ches Reevy was actually on 59 Watch when we started podcasting. Uh, <laughs> I believe he was nine under through. 13. I think I think I just saw a tweet that he needs an albatross on 18 to, to hit 59. So, oh, uh, I know, disappointing. Uh, but that's that, not, that not as that. Dis- not as disappointing as Kevin Kisner's miss yesterday. Yes, that's true. Um, you know, we'll 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 keep an eye on on the links there too, as as uh, everything as business gets done on the links, so so to speak. So we'll keep an eye on the links there as we head to February 23rd. Uh, you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Daily and check out what's coming up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, the Magic take on the Denver Nuggets at 5 o'clock on Martin Luther King Day Monday. Be sure to check that, that out. We'll have complete coverage of that game as well as continuing uh, our season in review at the midpoint. I think we have our, uh, second ha- our first half MVP as well as our second quarter MVP uh, coming up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com as well as more commentary and analysis on the Orlando Magic uh, throughout the coming days. Zach, I want to thank you for coming on once again to to recap the uh, first half of the season for the Magic. Can't believe we were already halfway there. Wait, we're halfway through a season already? I know, it's crazy. It's, it's it, it flies by. It, really it flies does. by. Next thing you know, we're going to be sitting in Amway Center for a week in July hating our lives. I mean, loving our lives because the Summer League is the best. I, 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 I will not lie. I went out and got some of those Entenmann's 
uh, black and whites that they that they have at summer league, um, just because. I'm I'm surprised you didn't buy cinnamon rolls. I almost did. I couldn't find them. <laughs> and that that that's how we'll end this, right? Just, that's that's just, how I, we have to end I, this on food. I mean, we're we're like fast I, break breakfast. We have to end this with food. Uh, Zach, once again, thank you for coming on the show. And we will see you all tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17